0: Welcome to The Bit, a podcast from Upstream, the international oil and gas newspaper. My name is Luke Johnson, and I write for Upstream. With me today in Houston is Bureau Chief Noah Brenner. Hey, Noah. How's it going, Luke? Oh, it's going great. Well, as many of you may have heard, we are playing around a little bit with the format of the podcast here, just we're just kind of in experimentation mode. Um so this week we're going to do devote an entire episode to a single subject and that would be cybersecurity. It's something that's becoming a bigger and bigger issue in really all facets of the oil and gas industry. There's been a number of high-profile attacks notably on Saudi Aramco and um and a lot of Norwegian companies uh, more recently. Um, And if reports are to be believed, there are actually many more attacks that um, have not been publicly acknowledged that we'll probably never hear about. But uh, needless to say, it is an issue, and uh, cybersecurity is definitely something that keep many people in the oil and gas industry up at night. Uh, We wrote a fairly in-depth feature article about the challenges of cybersecurity for oil and gas operators in a recent issue of Upstream, so go check that out. At upstreamonline.com, but today we have some additional interviews that were not included in that article um, that we hope might be useful. Um, so during the Sarah Week conference that was held recently in Houston, Noah had a chance to sit down with representatives from a couple different companies at the forefront of protecting oil and gas operators from hackers, uh, Emerson and Schneider Electric. So Noah, before we get to your interviews, um, just explain quickly why Emerson and Schneider are important voices in this discussion about uh, cybersecurity.
1: Well, you know, these are two companies, and, and we had some wide-ranging conversations with both of them. Um, but these are a couple companies that are really at the the leading edge, kind of, of this this sort of race to keep things safe from hackers. I mean, it's their process automation. It's their instrumentation. Um, it's a lot of their systems that are kind of the, the backbone and the nerve centers for some of these, for, for everything from offshore oil installations uh, to onshore facilities, LNG, uh, liquefaction facilities, uh, petrochemical, refineries. I mean, all the types of, you know, if, if you follow the oil molecule as it comes out of the well, Um, You know, Emerson and Schneider Electric, it's their sort of processes that are guiding that molecule right through to your gas tank. And so, you know, when they're the ones that are are setting up these systems that allow valves to open and close when they're supposed to and allow, um, you know, everything to happen that needs to happen. And, of course, these are sort of high... High risk situations where you're dealing with flammable flammable products, and um, you know they certainly have been uh, among the most sort of proactive and and really had to think about these things really well before you know, other companies might have.
0: And I guess it's it's worth pointing out that I mean a lot of times we think about cybersecurity and we think of our you know uh, Yahoo passwords being stolen or or data being stolen, um, and that's definitely a concern um, in the oil and gas industry too. There's some very valuable data out there that. People might want to steal whether it's production information or or bidding documents or something. But really, the the increasing risk these days, from what we found, is uh, this danger to processes. If the, if you open a valve and can't close it, that's a, that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, I mean these are you know very real sort of physical reactions to 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 hacking. Um, these are things that it's like you said, it's not simply someone making off with data. It's it's changing the way that these um, facilities work and doing so in a way that might have some very, very real physical consequences. Um, And I think, you know, I know you've had some more time uh, to have a look at this issue. This was kind of new for me. Um, one of the things i found most interesting you know perhaps most troubling maybe is uh is the human link here i mean when they're talking about these really robust um security systems and and being able to sort of wall off separate portions of the facility and make sure that that it cannot be accessed from the outside the one weak link you know as as i guess it is in a, in a lot of different areas is is human error and and humans you know being kind of lazy and writing that password down, you know, in a spot where it shouldn't be, or, or sticking in a USB key into their computer that, that may have some sort of malware on it or something like that. I mean, you can design the most robust and and secure and, and tight systems. And those systems, if they interface with a human being, you know, that human being is, is the weakest link oftentimes. And so that was... Um, It was an eye-opener for me, for sure. It's a people problem. It's a people problem. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right. Well, so uh, first up here, we have Peter Zornio, who is the chief strategic officer of Emerson. Uh, Noah spoke with him and Jim Nyquist, who's the president of systems and solutions for Emerson. But Mr. Zornio had the most to say on cybersecurity during uh, this particular conversation. So let's just take a listen.
2: We're talking First of all, uh, it's a constantly changing both threat envelope and response envelope. Right, a little ways reminds me of kind of the old game that used to be played with the police with the radar guns and the radar detectors. Right, you get better radar technology, you get better radar radar tech. You know, yeah. so it is a constantly changing landscape. It touches all aspects of the system. So we are you know constantly adding more and more features and capability to our system. In terms of cybersecurity defensive measures, defense and depth is a term we use all the time. Mm-hmm. Whether it's firewalls or encryption or multiple layers of networks. If you look at our wireless sensor stuff, that from day one was designed to be 100%, 100, what's called 128 bit AES encryption, which the government standard just means not really crackable by today's computing technology. Okay, uh, The key management, we, we designed all that security in from the ground up. However, what we found as we have our systems like uh, penetration tested by third parties, or our, our customers have had systems penetration tested by third parties, it's not a technology game. It's a people game. When the way these guys break in is all social engineering. Sounds to break in through, it's like we build this fantastic vault and then they find somebody who will tell them the combination, <laughs> okay? They don't try to, like, blast the door on the ball or drill up <laughs> under this, you know, like in the movies, drill, you know. They don't have to. They just the, say, hey, what's they, the they combination? Just, they, they just find, <laughs> uh, you know, the guys that I have know. the combination, yeah. and then they spearfish, yeah. and they convince Jim that he's talking to Peter, you know, and, you know, says, eventually hey, they what, ask. I forgot the com- What's that combination, and they, Jim? And, you know, oh. hey, I'm on my shift today, and I forgot the combination. Or they stick the combination on the front of the console, <laughs> Password, okay, yeah. you know they put the password on the front of the of the console. Okay, so it doesn't matter how good we made the vault. Okay, they're given out the combination. It's, it's okay, a people and a it is a people and yeah. process thing yeah. again. It's, it's always is. it's we're always the weakest link when it comes to that kind of stuff. If it's pure technology, it's great. When people, well, I think you, know, are you make involved, a good
1: point about just the culture because
3: yeah, often you know you think about safety in these plants, these facilities, people safety. They think safety all the time, hard hat. PPE. Nope, so not going to leave, leave the, the control person. room without putting my hard like, hand on it. They, they are conditioned, right? But you get the security, and they're just not conditioned that way. Yet. Yeah. I'll write the
2: password down and put it on the screen because yeah. it's really inconvenient. To <laughs> right. you know, this way I don't have to look it up. Or, like, and they've got to keep
1: uh, quit calling me all the time and ask me what yeah, their password is. Right. I'm supposed to change it all the time. So, okay, I'll change it and just stick it on the thing. Right. I really, I'll change it and stick it on the thing yeah. again, right?
2: So... There's constantly evolving technology, right? Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's kind of a game of of cat and mouse, back and forth. Um, We're constantly making sure we're meeting all the latest standards. We're training our own people, our own projects people that Jim talked about, Mm because obviously, we don't want to be the guys writing the password on the piece of paper and sticking it on the screen, or our service folks. So we have to train all of our service folks that's also in these standards that are There's a lot of a lot of work on a, on a, on a consolidated international standard called uh, IEC62443 around cybersecurity for industrial control systems. And it includes the people aspects of all the training and everything, okay? But until that, that mindset is in there, right, of like, okay, when I get in the car, I put on the seatbelt, right? When I leave the control room, I put on the hard hat, okay? Uh, that's really the last big hurdle that you know that that I think has to be overcome because it's it's every time we've done one of these that's been the weak link is the people. Is it what kinds
1: of conversations are you having with your customers about these kinds of things? I mean, are are your your customers asking you, you know, I guess engaging you on the cybersecurity issue yeah, and how yeah. do you interface with? Um, Uh, And we'll just say the operator with the IOCs of the world who obviously are looking at that from their own perspective as well and from their own processes and things. Um. So uh,
2: it it is those guys that are actually um, hiring third party penetration tests, you know, what they call white hat hackers to do some of this. And, you know, what we've seen probably happen for real in the last three or four years for a long time. We talked about this and I don't think too many companies were willing to invest too much in it because it's, it's an insurance policy. Right? It doesn't make another barrel or produce another barrel of oil and make another gallon of gasoline. Okay, So un- until they started seeing, it, it, like car insurance, we, you know car accidents happen. You see them. You're like, okay, I, I you know, you, you may know someone who was injured in one. Okay, I, I better get car insurance. They were like, well, that hasn't happened to us yet. Or they didn't hear about a neighbor having it happen to them yet. Many times it might have happened to the neighbor and the neighbor didn't want to report it mm-hmm. because... They don't want to look like they were inadequately protected. or... Now, in the last three or four years, there's been incidents, publicized incidents. First big one was Stuxnet. Then ten thousand computers were hacked at a Ramco. Then you know, just a couple months ago, SIPCAM uh, over in Saudi Arabia had had another attack, same, same uh, attack vector that took out a Ramco, right? And then when, and then articles started getting written in the mainstream press. So this issue used to be contained to kind of our, our industry and automation press. Well, suddenly you're reading articles in all the business press about this Trans- power plant being right. hacked or infrastructure being hacked. There's a Nova, spe- two Nova specials on it, right, that, that I've seen so far. So suddenly I think CEOs started watching, you know hearing about that, and then they called their CIO, and they go like, well, that's not going to happen to us, is it? And the CIO goes, well... Um, no, I, I'm done. And then he hangs up the phone and calls, you know, his guys and says, "Let's make sure this can't happen to us." Yeah. So we've seen, for the probably the first time in the last few years, you know, a, an uptake in the spending and, and in programs where these guys are getting very serious about going in and putting in all the and putting in all the technology. Now, what annoys the heck out of them is the scenario I just described: is when they, they do one of these penetration tests. And then they find out the weak link is their own people, yeah. right? Well, they Which you can understand why well, that would be frustrating. That reinforces to them, hey, we got to go out and train, 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 like we did, like we do with safety. I mean, it's 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 really uh, to me the exact same. Well, you know, what's problem.
0: That was Peter Zornio, the chief strategic officer of Emerson. The bit will be back in just a moment. Welcome back to The Bit. Next up in Noah's conversations with industry leaders in cybersecurity are two representatives of Schneider Electric. Speaking first will be Chris Dartnell, Schneider's Senior Vice President for Global Sales and Business Development. Gary Freyberger, Schneider's President of Process Automation, also offers his views uh, they talk about some of the ways companies can protect themselves from cyber attacks.
1: Um, there's been a lot of discussion lately about uh, security and cybersecurity with the the connectivity that's coming, this Internet of, of Things, and and all this data that's being collected. Um, I, I guess, what are your thoughts, kind of on on how the industry does uh, keep itself safe, maintain the integrity of of these systems? as more and more things become connected and there are sort of more and more points of entry, I guess, mm-hmm. um, where there could be issues. So um, you know, how are you guys looking at, at security of these types it, of it, things? It's, it's the hottest topic, right? Yeah, really and it's it one makes. that people really seem to, well, of you know, course, everybody's got a, an idea, but it's uh, there's a lot of sort of competing competing ideas. So we,
4: we're involved in lots of discussion on cyber and it's in the end it's about a, having the best the customers that we see doing a great job have a holistic plan around cyber security because it's 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 not just about the type of technology it's about the technology it's about your process of, of defense in depth it's about your operating processes and so on so we're involved let me say three things um, predominantly we take our technology and we make sure that's cyber secure so that the Piece of electronics bench tested has the best cybersecurity there is. So that's a, a starting point. But then, if you wish to go and change all the settings to the wrong ones, you've made it insecure. Right? So that's the. It, you have to then have a project design process that builds with strength and depth on cybersecurity. And we consult on that, and we advise on that. And we're pretty keen on making sure that people think through how am I building my system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then thirdly, we do cybersecurity consultancy around how to operate securely. Right? And okay. I mean, and it's that if if you don't have policies on who can put USB keys into where who can do this and mm-hmm. this, then you're no better off again. So it's that. Um, and then cloud helps because oftentimes, let's say ten years ago, if you wanted to give data to someone, you'd be almost taking it from the control system. Mm-hmm then you're giving people access to the very system that 24 hours a day is opening and closing valves in a hydrocarbon environment. Mm -hmm. Now what we're looking to do is put that data served to a cloud and then you can put the cloud outside the cyber secure system and someone could hack your data. So that's a worry Mm -hmm. but they wouldn't hack your system which is the biggest worry. I mean the biggest threat is somebody, I mean the, the worst case is someone choosing to download sequence codes into your control system that would open valves in a malicious way, not allow you to close them even. So I've mm-hmm. heard of a case, is, uh, anecdotally, where in the worst case someone would, they would drive a valve open and then they would lock it open in the software such that the person mm-hmm. who saw it and said, oh my goodness, couldn't close it again. I mean that, that's the worst case. So that's the one that you want to prevent and our, our systems are very secure around that. Um, and eventually it's about not being complacent. It's that kind of uh, continually paranoid behavior, I think, gets you home. But it's it's about the right defense and the right... So, If something's coming right for the harder things you need, you have to stop them mm-hmm. dead. If something's coming around here, you might let them in and contain them and thinking through that process. So it starts with a customer who's got the right thinking process. Yeah.
3: And that's what I was going to say. They, you know, the customers have to, and we have to help them too, kind of... You know, segment pieces of the facility, and, and how much do you have to build to protect? So, you know, in particular, when you think about our control systems. Um, typically, as Chris described it, our control systems aren't connected to anything outside, so they are they are contained. The problem is, you know, think about IAOT, right? You think about this whole discussion around, well, now I can start connecting. You know, you know, and I can put sensors out because technology is now so cheap, so now I can. Put sensors on pumps and things that we didn't have before, and I don't want to bring all that data in. And, mm-hmm. and if you're going to bring it in through the control system, now now you have an issue. So, in and of itself, with the control system that we think of today, we're actually fairly comfortable. What we really have to to um, to help customers with is thinking about as you start deciding to connect other things. And you know, frankly, some of these things, especially you know, you get way out into these facilities. Um, you could be connecting some of these things wirelessly. Mm -hmm. What are they going to connect to? And so it's, well, I want to connect to the control system, I want to bring the data in, and it says, okay, time out. So so there has to be a different thought process around how are you going to connect these, what are you going to connect them to, how do you gather that data, and then where do you bring it into a control system to start doing analytics? So the whole cybersecurity discussion um, is going to continue to evolve. We have it, as Chris described it today, And then we have this whole other situation tomorrow that says, I mean, if you take it to an extreme, everything is connected. Mm -hmm. Not sure you want everything connected, um, but how is it connected and where are you bringing the data into, um, which, you know, can cause some pretty significant issues for a customer from a system standpoint. So as Chris is describing with, you know, with the power industry, which we participate a lot in um, with them, um, it is... There's pieces you have to actually control, and then there's pieces you can contain, and then there's other parts of it where you just want detection. Mm-hmm. I just want to. I, I just want. Okay, who's coming? What's coming on? What? What do I do with it? How do I use you know antivirus things to kind of protect that? and Then you get into this next section is okay. Got in, and I just want to contain. But boy, this core piece has to be protected, and that really is the core of how we think about
1: cybersecurity. Mm-hmm what um, you, know, you had said 10 years down the road, when everything is, is connected possibly, and we've got sensors on every potential moving part and things mm-hmm. like that, yeah. is that really, I guess I'm wondering, is, is that kind of where we're headed? I mean, the, the, the progression would would be to be more and more connected, more and more sensors. How do you guys look at, I mean, yes, what, what do you see 10 years from now as mm-hmm. being maybe achievable and, and desirable from that standpoint?
4: Two different questions on the achievable. Yeah, one. it's. So, <laughs> I, I think, just as my, my personal view, knows more than anybody else is I think, yes, we're heading that way in life. Mm. Um, I think in the oil industry and other high, uh, highly reliable, highly protected industries, it'll have to be different. So, what we see, we work um, across many process industries, and if you look at food manufacturing and so on, they have a different view. They're much more open. I guess they rationalise, I, I, I need to be... They're worried more about protecting their data and their finance systems, their ability to trade, mm-hmm. but they don't see the same worry that we see, which is the ability for someone to, to cause a major explosion. Right? So, um, yeah. so I think there's going to be two different pace of, of development, and I think probably, uh, I don't know, military and security and in those guys as well as then hydrocom. And I guess I'm sure it's the same in the US, but I know in the UK, certain... Production assets are a government protect. Well, they're under a government high, high critical asset category, and therefore they have to tell the government security forces what they're doing about things. And cyber is one of those. and I suspect it's the same in many countries. So I think there's going to be a two-speed. Um, I mean, an interesting discussion. We have a, a small discussion, but it gets to a bigger story. We have a uh, a safety system that's the highest rated, SIL four, and it's quite niche, and you only need it for. Very high protection applications, so typically high-pressure gas. But it's solid state, which means there's no electronics. It runs on uh, old-fashioned, really. Of you, you, you hardwire the, the outcome you want. Right? Mm-hmm. So you tend to think there's no value for this. But what we're thinking now sometimes is this is 100% cyber secure because there's no software, right? And so, not everywhere. It's not a big story. It's just a thought. Just I think you're yeah. in the thoughts mode here, but. But some places, we're going to say, if you really want to be there, you've got this, right? It's got one button on the front, which is hardwired. You engineer it specifically, so you say, if that happens to that high pressure, I wanted to shut these three things, and you wire that in, you know, and so there's no electronics. So somewhere, I think, the, ro- the world is going to be graduated between my fridge, which will be rebooted once a week by <laughs> a, a school kid in Ohio, who thought it would be a funny thing to do, and I'll just be oh, God damn it, you know? Yeah. And then <laughs> through two, there'll be things... Um, where you've got 5,000 psi coming off a wellhead, and you just can't afford for it to be, and there'll be people who are taking quite extreme separate modes, or they'll be sort of off grid. Mm-hmm.
0: That was Chris Dartnell and Gary Freiberger of Schneider Electric talking with Noah Brenner.
2: Exploration, that
0: does it for another episode of The Bit. Thanks for listening. The Bit is a production of NHST and is produced by me, Luke Johnson. RDG provides the bumper music. If you want to get in touch with us, email us at TheBit at UpstreamOnline.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Please visit our website at UpstreamOnline.com, your home for independent oil and gas news. We'll be back next time with more oil and gas news, but until then, keep your bit spinning to the right.